My journey has been one of returning from the darkness and stepping out into the light once more. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. While you're sitting trying to figure that out, this is my podcast. Allegedly. Logos and Trivial podcast. I'm Chance Lunsford. I'm also Logos and Trivial. Maybe you're also Logos and Trivial. While you're trying to figure out whether or not that's true and what that even means, let me introduce today's esteemed guest. I have with me, me pal, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Jack Murphy. Hey, and, Chance. Uh, how are you, man? Thanks for having me good. back. Yes, sir. It's a pleasure to have you. And, and Jack's a man who uh, I guess I ran into just because of his sort of connection to the, let's call it the masculine side of Twitter. <laughs> um, but one of the things that I really began to appreciate about Jack after I started following him is uh, he's not necessarily one of these guys who's fanatical about um, the idea that maybe evolutionary psychology is the be-all, end-all of everything that has to do with being a man. And he's very thoughtful in his analysis of politics and relationships. And um, through that appreciation, I uh, had an opportunity to speak with Jack before um, while I was doing podcasts for Ion Media Company. And from there, um, I've, I've watched his sort of whole world explode with the Liminal Order and with uh, his own podcast, Jack Murphy Live, which is excellent. And so I wanted to bring Jack on today for this Art of Living uh, series because of, of the people I know, Jack perhaps best exemplifies the idea of uh, the art of the phoenix or the art of rebirth because... There's so many things in his life that have been sort of just the rug's been pulled out from under him, but he managed to get back up on his feet and look around him and, and make something perhaps even better than what he had before uh, as he rose from the ashes. And so uh, that's why I brought you on, Jack. And, and for those who aren't familiar, maybe you can tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do before we really get into the thick of things. Sure. Thanks. Thanks for the introduction, Chance. It's always great have a chance to come talk to you. I always have fun with that. I appreciate you reaching out. Uh, you know, the art of the comeback was the, the name of the presentation I gave at 21 convention back in, I think October of 2018. And that was based off of a, a piece that I did, um, on my blog, uh, on the same theme a while back. And I've noticed over time that, uh, my story does seem to have a bunch of ups and downs and then rebirths and then another up and another leg up. And uh, it's happened to me a number of times. You know, notably, the, the first one that comes to mind is my divorce in, 20, in 2009, uh, trying to rebuild my life uh, as a guy in my mid-30s who'd been in a relationship since he was 25, didn't understand anything about the world. When I came back into it, I was like Rip Van Winkle coming down from the hilltop to a brand new world. You know, I, I, I got into my relationship like around 2000 and got out of it near 2010. And, uh, you know, everything had changed. Male, female relationships, internet, social media, Tinder, all of that. So I had to, I had to learn all that all over again, start over from scratch. And of course, the divorce came uh, right as the real estate crash happened. And so professionally, I was a real estate developer at the time. So professionally, I had to figure something out all over again. <clears throat> and then again, it happened again in 2018, where I got doxxed uh, and I got fired. And I was slandered all over the internet, labeled all these nasty, terrible things that I'm sure you people are familiar with these days. And I had to rebuild my life all over again then too. And uh you know, it's easy for me to think that that's something that's unique or special to me, but it really isn't. Uh, that is 
something that everyone has to do. There's a reason why the Phoenix is an archetype of something that we all can, uh, can relate to. And there's a reason why we can all relate to the hero's journey. And that's because life is full of conflict and nothing is a straight line and there's always ups and downs. And uh, if you're gonna, if you're gonna master one skill at all in life, it should be the art of the comeback because let me tell you, fellas and ladies, you're going to have to do it at least once, maybe twice, maybe three times. So if you're going to practice one thing, practice how to make a comeback. That's a great introduction, man. And it's, a, it's really a perfect intro to, to what I'm trying to get in here today. And it's, you know, it's an interesting coincidence, or perhaps not, that uh, we're having this conversation right here on the cusp of Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess all things in their time and, uh, you know, from that foundation that you just laid out, I guess one of the first things that I'm curious about is I've suffered some defeats in my life and I haven't always handled them with uh, the sort of grace that uh, I've watched you handle certain things. And, and obviously we, we don't all see the, the, the inside story and everything. And, and there's a lot of, there's a lot that goes into that, but um, I'm curious about how you sort of figured out how to put your mind in a place where, yes, I'm disappointed. Yes, I'm hurt. Yes, I'm angry and frustrated and all the things that would naturally arise from some of these things that have come to you in your life. But how did you orient yourself so that you could begin to take steps towards building something new after having to leave everything else behind? That's a good question. And uh, I wish I wish I had a magic answer where I could say, you know, yes, if you're if you're, you know, experiencing a major life trauma, here are all the things that you can do to get yourself out of it with minimal disruption. <laughs> or here is uh, that special antidote that you can take to cure yourself of whatever ails you at the moment. Um, but if I'm going to be totally candid, I will say that uh, the times in which I've found myself the most motivated um, to make change and to recover and to move in a, in a new direction, you know, unfortunately, they come at times when the world sort of decides for you, right? The world, the pressure from the outside gets so great that the pain of sitting still becomes so intense that the only chance, the only thing that you can do next is to take a step forward. And uh, I, even though I've had to do this a, a couple of times now, or a few times at least, um, <clears throat> there, as you said, there's so much behind the scenes that you don't see, right? So my job is, is as a semi-public figure now is to tell, tell my story and to tell it in such a way that people can relate to it and can find inspiration in it. Um, but, you know, I do leave out the darkest, deepest, worst moments uh, because, uh, you know, sometimes, sometimes they're embarrassing. Sometimes they're shameful, you know, like I got to tell you, a year ago, um, right before we launched the Liminal Order, uh, it was a dark time, man. I had been out of work uh, for a year at that point. I had my whole career taken away from me, my name ruined. I mean, for people that don't know, I was working in public policy. I was helping run charter schools in Washington, D.C., and I was helping our least advantaged kids in the city get uh, get ahead, get have better schools to go to. And then one day I woke up and there was a whole Twitter campaign uh, launched against me by Antifa, uh, towards my employer to get me docs for being some sort of right-wing, you know, lunatic. They thought I was some sort of Nazi. 
And so, you know, at that time, back in January 2018, you know, my whole life had just went up in smoke because, uh, you know, I had worked to build a resume and a reputation and a skill set. And then all of a sudden it was just gone. It was just gone. And it was a real sense of free fall because uh, what do you do when you've spent your whole life building yourself up and building your, your reputation and, and your resume and your experience? And then it all just vaporizes right in front of your face. Um, it took a long time for me to figure out how to move forward. Uh, I did get started right away finishing my book, Democrat to Deplorable, which I released a few months after I was doxxed. I had been working on it, but I, I hustled up to finish it then. But in terms of what to do after that, you know, very, very few authors make their full-time career writing books, right? Even the ones that you see every day that have number one bestsellers, they usually are doing something else at the same time. So I knew that writing a book wasn't going to be enough. And I had to figure out what was going to be next. But I'll tell you, you know, it took time. It took a long time. It took a year for me to even formulate uh, what the next steps were. And um, there were, I can't tell you the times I spent pacing around my house, <laughs> going for long walks in the woods and just coaching myself up and telling myself that even if I didn't know where I was going, I had to at least be strong. So that was like the first thing, right? The first step back is to make sure that your physical condition is 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 uh, on point because you can't do anything of value if you're weak. And that's both mentally, physically, spiritually. Uh, and so <clears throat> when I didn't know what to do, when I had no answers, no direction, no clear vision of what my life was supposed to be, I just, I, I went all the way back to basics. And so the first thing you do is to make sure you're in shape, make sure that you feel good, make sure you're being physical. And uh, the benefit of that is not only do you get stronger and you get more stamina, but, you know, just moving around and exercising, walking and being out in nature, it helps clear your mind and it helps bring ideas to you. The ideas which are already all inside of your head. Everybody knows what they need to do. That's the thing. Everybody knows what they need to do. You just have to like be able to wade through the murkiness in your mind and to get through all the darkness to find the answers because we're carrying the light inside of us all. It's just hidden and obscured by stress and outside forces and complications and you know failed failures and and dreams vanished. You have to you have to wade through it and and find find your inner light and your inner guidance. And uh, the first step is just to get your ass in shape. And I'm sure you can relate to that chance, can't you? Yeah, definitely. In fact, as you were, as you were speaking there, I was thinking about, it's one of those moments that you look back on and you, and you realize it, it is a seminal moment or a pivotal moment in your life. And I had, I was living in a place and um, I had, I had essentially eaten nothing but rice and, and stolen packets of hot sauce from Del Taco mixed into the rice for about three months and, mm. and a bunch of magic mushrooms too. This is why I wasn't, I mean, this is all allegedly, of course, just, but I, and, and my, my apartment got raided and uh, that was a lot of fun having police put a gun to your head and, uh, and, uh, and all that stuff. But <laughs> I, I moved back to my dad's house following all this because I had nowhere else to go. And uh, he was gracious enough to allow me back into his house to begin to rebuild my life. And this was right about the time, and I've talked about this before, that I I sort of had to confront, do I live or do I die? And, yep. and what do I need to do for either of those things? And I chose the, the path of life, but it, you know, it, it took a lot of effort in figuring out. But I got back to my dad's house, and basically the first thing I did when I got there is I, I, I found the biggest bowl I could find in his kitchen. And I made a big salad, just 
all kinds of greens and feta and Kalamata olives and pepperoncinis and all the stuff I could find to put in there, some oil and vinegar. And I ate that. And because I had been eating like such shit for so long, when I ate that salad, I could literally feel the health just spreading into my body. And it was one of those things where I, it became so clear to me how poor my health was because just a simple salad made me feel, you know, orders of magnitude better. And from there, then I continued on with the, I had been pretty steadily lifting at this time, but it doesn't do you a lot of good if you're, if you're wasting away otherwise. But right. I, I, that was key to me putting my life back together is I had to put my body into the shape I needed to be to, to feel healthy and to feel good about myself. And then like you mentioned, um, it makes your brain work better on a few different levels. There's sort of the neurochemical better. And then there's also the idea that when you're focusing very intently on a difficult movement, you sort of get out of the way of the subconscious letting things pop up because you're no longer resisting some of the things that maybe you knew, but were fighting against because you didn't want to feel like an idiot. Yeah. And so, yeah. so certainly that was the case for me. Yeah. Well, that's a, you bring up a, a few interesting points and, and one of them is, is getting out of your own way. Right. So, uh, I wrote a piece, you know, the name of it is escaping me for some reason. Oh, it was called how to make a comeback. What do you know? Um, and in it, um, one of the things I identified for myself was that, uh, meditation, um, or in my case, it was at the time it was yoga, which is a moving meditation. Um, those are the kind of things that help clear my mind so that I can find, find those answers that are inside. Uh, and I, at least for me, you know, there's enough chaos in my mind on a good day that on the bad days, it's so overwhelming. There's such a storm in your head. There's so many, so many forces, so many things just tearing and just, and just running, running scripts, you know, lawsuits and like court cases in your mind where you're making a case against a, an invisible imaginary jury and arguing with people that aren't there and just listening to this voice just going on and on and on and ranting inside your head. And it's in your own voice, but you have to, you have to begin to understand that it's actually not you. There's like a whole nother, there's a whole nother presence inside your head and it's it's your it's your it's your mind talking to you but your mind isn't isn't you per se it's this other thing that's in there and you have to deal with it and you have to learn how to uh, listen to what it's saying and then discard it and not to believe that it is you at the end you can't judge yourself by your thoughts and you can't judge yourself by the storm in your head the only thing you can judge yourself by is how you how you're going to act and and how you're going to move forward and so moving exercising, meditation, yoga is wonderful that for that because it, it, it combines all of those things together where you do have to focus on what you're doing right then and there and get into the moment. So that's what it's all about, right? It's about getting yourself into the moment. It's all about blocking out both the, the inner voice that's going crazy, all the external distractions, external traumas. It's about pushing those things aside so you can find that peace and that strength inside of us. And I know you said that you consider life or, you know, living or dying at those moments of stress. And, and, and a lot of us, a lot of us face, face that at some point in our life. Um, but you know, there is, there is inside you, inside most all of us, this uh, indefatigable urge to live and to succeed. We just have to be able to reconnect with it. I mean, there are, there have been certainly times in my life where, you, you can consider, like, is it worth going on at this point? 
And the truth is, is, you know, you look around at your relationships and those are the things that keep you moving forward, right? So one of the other components that I deduced for myself after, I've, after I came out of my funk in 2009, I look back on how I did it. And the other, one of the other elements was community, right? You have to have a community. You have to have people to talk to, to connect with, to care about, who then in turn care about you. And that is where you can find a sort of a positive energy cycle, feedback, where you put out energy into someone else. You care about them, you do something for them, you help them, and then you feel good about doing that. And then, and then they'll do it for you later and you feel even better about that too. So community is just so important. And community can take any kind of, can take a number of different forms. You know, even if it's a small community, even if it's just your friends, even if it's just your partner, you have to reach out and continue those relationships. So there was a study I read once about rats in captivity who are given cocaine, right? And a rat that is by itself, if you give it cocaine, it will like, it will eat that, it will do the cocaine until it dies if it's by itself. But if you put the same cocaine dispenser into a community filled with rats, they don't kill themselves with the cocaine, right? Because they feel the positive energy of being around other people. And it's one of the reasons why one of the, the steps of the 12-step programs is to, is to build community, is to reach out, is to engage with other people. This is not some secret that I've discovered, right? This uh, element of community is something that we've known forever. Uh, and it's something that is proven to make people happier, healthier, and even wealthier. There's no question about it. The science is very clear on it. Uh, people who live in, in isolation have less to live for than people who live a life filled with rich and valuable relationships. So community is another pillar of making a comeback. And if you don't have a community around you, you have to, you have to find the strength to build one. And one of the first steps you get towards that is building up your own physical strength by actually getting around and moving around. You know, there's a few things in there um, that I think are, are worth maybe focusing in on a little bit more. And um, one of the things is you and I have talked before about uh, we, each, we each have an inclination to maybe not naturally be uh, a gregarious, outgoing uh, hang out with a lot of people kind of guy. Uh, yeah. and, but even a, even a person like you or I that maybe has that natural inclination still needs to find ways to connect with other people and to build relationships. Uh, I mean, even Roman at the top of the mountain has to have that community for him to not, <laughs> not fulfill his prophecy there. Right. Um, <laughs> but the, the, one of the other things I was thinking about as you were talking about that is speaking from my own experience, uh, my relationships contributed to my downfall in very many ways during the, my period of darkness. And when I stepped away from that life, uh, I basically wiped the slate clean. And, and for a while I had a lot of, you know, emotional baggage with relationships because of that. And it, it took a little bit of, introspection and quite a bit of courage to then begin to build relationships again. Uh, but one thing I did learn is when I needed help, 
there were a few people who stepped up and, and remained consistent. Even when I didn't really have anything to offer, they offered their help. They offered me a hand. And I'm sure going through a divorce and going through a career change and going through all the things that you've gone through, uh, there have been a lot of people who fell by the wayside. And then there's been a few along the way who stayed consistent. And you knew that no matter what, this is my family, this is my friend, and I can count on these people. And I, I guess the last piece to sort of what I'm getting at here is you just said it at the end, you know, the first piece to building your community is, is getting yourself right. Because if you don't, if you're not strong physically, if you're not healthy, if you're not thinking clearly and in, in, in a healthy manner, then the community that you're going to build and attract is not going to be one that's going to help you rebuild a life that you doesn't just repeat that same downward spiral that you were in. And I guess I wonder sort of, how how much the the steady relationships contributed to your ability to reemerge, and then maybe some of the things that you've learned about how to discern what kind of relationships you're building along the way. Yeah, that's a great question. You know, the it's very it's it, it's intimidating to think I got to go out and build a new community, right? It's like, oh, that sounds complicated. It sounds like there's a lot of people involved, a lot of moving parts. Um, and I found that, uh, one of the easiest ways is to pick an activity that you're into. And if you're not into any activity, you can pick this one. I'm going to tell you, if you're a guy, you should pick jujitsu or Muay Thai or something like that. And you should go and do group lessons and you should join a gym. Their whole job they know is to build community, right? They make their money by bringing people in and keeping them. So like their whole goal is to build community and relationships and connections. And if you join a joint, a gym like that, then you not only are getting yourself in physical shape, you're learning a useful skill about how to defend yourself. And then you're also making friends and building relationships. So like when people ask me, what's, what's, what do I do when I'm just like zeroed out? Um, that's the first thing I recommend to them is to, is to join some sort of like combat, combat sport gym, some sort of community where you go every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday night at 6 p.m. and you train for two hours. And every once in a while, sometimes guys go out and get drinks or not, but then you find yourself like showing up half hour early just to hang out with the guys and hang out half hour later to hang out with the guys. And along the way, you're getting stronger, you're adding a skill, and you're building those relationships that you need. And it's not even like the relationships are transactional. You're not entering into them thinking that you're going to get something in particular back. You're entering into these relationships so you can give out energy. It's really uh, something to really emphasize is that community and relationships are not about receiving. They're 100% about giving. The receiving part is the bonus. It comes later if you do it right. But it's the act of giving and getting outside of yourself. We we are the source of most of our own distress. Okay, it's in our it's inside of us. It's inside our heads. And some of us are a little more twisted maybe than others. Um, but if you're anything <laughs> like me, you know it's my own thoughts. It's me being an isolation and letting that voice in my mind run on hyperdrive is what leads me into bad places. Uh, me getting out of myself, whether it's exercising, meditating, or giving in, giving to a community, or building relationships with somebody, or just even listening to somebody else. Right? This is a way to get out of your head and to start moving forward and allow creating space inside of you for that positive energy to flow in. Um, and it's a cycle that feeds on itself. And so you get in shape, you clear your mind, you build a community. And then finally, at that point, maybe you can start to see 
the the terrain a little more accurately and you can see what the destination is over that way and then you can maybe start to see how i can go from a to b and then cross that obstacle and go over the bridge and then climb that hill and then before you know it you're on your way up the mountain to the new peak and so one of the other elements i I wrote about in the art uh, how to make a comeback is you have to have a plan and by that i mean a business plan for life right? You have to, people, people, well, let me back up a second. When, when you talk to new entrepreneurs and you ask them if they have a business plan, half of them are like, no, (laughs) like, how do you not have a business plan when you're trying to figure out how to make money and how to build something? You have to have the same mentality uh, for yourself as you do for a business. You have to have a, you have to have a plan. You have to know where you're going and you have to create a system. And then you have to focus on incremental progress, right? It's about focusing on the system. And this is one thing I got from Scott Adams, right? It's like build systems, not goals. So you have to build a system that you can then use to make incremental progress on a daily basis because it's that inertia, which is the hardest thing to overcome at first, which turns into momentum, which is the thing that carries you. And the way that you get momentum is by taking small micro nano you know, steps at first, little ones, and then each step becomes a little bit easier. And then you get a little bit more of headspace and a little bit more clearance. And then you can start to look out into the future and then you can see, okay, well, then I need to go in this direction to get to where I want to go. So it, it compounds. Starts with yourself, starts with your physicality, your mentality, your spirituality, your connections, your relationships, and then the terrain opens up and then you can build a plan and then you can take incremental progress step by step. Now, this is a whole skill set that every single person needs to know because you're all going to be faced with conflict, drama, trauma, crisis, something like that. Because somebody somewhere, somebody said, life is pain, right? Life is suffering. This is not a new thing that we're figuring out here. Everybody always throughout all of history has got to find ways to overcome negative energy, negative situations, trauma or crisis or whatever it is. So if you're going to focus on anything in the whole world, any skill at all, it should be this one, how to make a comeback and how to build yourself up from a, from crisis on your way to the new mountaintop somewhere over there on the horizon. Hmm. There's a thing here that I want to get into a little bit more because uh, I'm big on systems. I love systems. Uh, And one of the things I have learned about systems is often uh, a system is really just a recognition of a pattern that's already in place that you just become keyed into. And, and in the context of this conversation, um, typically a failure runs in a certain pattern, you know, you're sitting on top of the world and then you start to fall off and sometimes you correct course, but sometimes you fall and then you have that period where you fall and then you hit and then you're sort of in this miserable place and then you're trying to climb back up and then you sort of like, you're, you're eking back up and then you're trying to bounce back on top of the, on the ball of success again. And that, that cycle could take you two decades mm. or you could keep falling or that could take you 60 seconds. Mm. And it all comes down to how well you understand that cycle and what you're going to do to move yourself through those steps. And um, knowing what I do about you and, and sort of understanding that you've been through these things a bunch of times, I wonder how you approach the idea of, okay, I've fallen and now I'm getting back up and how you sort of walk yourself through that. I mean, I know we've gotten into it a little bit with the, with the community and the, 
and the exercise. But I wonder, do you do you have a system in place to help you uh, move through mentally, that mentally? Mentally, man, I wish. Right. So you 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 made me think of a number of things. Like um, the the first thing you made me think of is that the source of my failures in the past. Uh, the doxing notwithstanding, right? Because that was just like a truly exogenous event where somebody out there decided to be malicious, right? For me, where I have fallen off in the past is comes from complacency, okay? So complacency for me means I busted my ass to get to where I wanted to go. I get there and then I'm like, sweet, I'm here. And then you just get all... Uh, What's the word? It's one of the seven sins. It's not greedy or slovenly. I can't remember what it, which one it is in, my, in particular, but it's that sense where you just start enjoying and appreciating and, and just eating and drinking and, and just uh, uh, thinking that you've already done all the work, right? Um, but uh, no, that's not true. The minute you stop doing the things that got you to where you want to go, is the minute that you're not going in the direction where you want to be headed. And uh, one of the analogies uh, that, that comes to mind for me is my, my, uh, my fatness cycle, right? So every, every spring, like around March or so, I'm like, oof, man, summer's coming. I want to be in good shape, look good, get outside, take your shirt off, flex at the pool and whatever. And uh, every fall, like after Thanksgiving, you know, I just start getting fat again. And then, okay, so it's March. All right. Oh, man, I stopped doing all the things I need to do to be lean and to be in shape. You know, I need to de dedicate myself to regular exercise. I have to watch my diet. I have to stay focused. And uh, every year around March, I'm like, God damn it. This is the last year. This is the last <laughs> year that I go through this cycle. I'm going to stay lean all year. Right. So that when it comes time for March next year, I'm not trying to get unfat. I'm like trying to go from six to eight pack. Right. That's a lot easier said than done. Right. So complacency is pretty much the, the number one source of my own internally generated crises. Right. Where I feel like I have arrived. I feel like I've accomplished what I want to accomplish. And I'm on easy street, man. You know, I've had multiple peaks in my professional career where I've gone from like $0 to making like two, $300,000 in a year. And I'm like, okay, sweet. I'm here. I'm done. I'm good. And as soon as you say that, man, it's just a matter of time before you're, you're back to the bottom. And what I'm trying to do now is to, is to, to not get fat this winter. <laughs> and I mean that as a metaphor for, for life, which is to continue to focus on the things that got me to where I am right now. And so to put it into more concrete terms, let's talk about online, online marketing and, and life. My system now is it starts with Twitter. And it starts with Twitter and it starts with the podcast and I have to continually put out content because the more time, more content I put out, the bigger the audience and the wider the funnel. And then the people come into the system, they come into my audience, they come into the network, they get closer and they get closer and they get closer and then they join the liminal order and then we're on the inside together and then now we're all working together in our private community. But the minute I will, the minute I stop doing Twitter and the minute I stop doing podcasts is the minute that the funnel dries up 
and the audience quits, uh, ceases to expand. I stop reaching new people. Uh, I stop creating new opportunities for myself. So it's like in sales, uh, sort of separate. It's like prospecting, right? Like prospecting has to be the number one thing that you focus on because you have to get people into the system right? It's like a major league baseball team. They have to be scouting teenagers because those are the guys that are going to be starting in game seven for you in 15 years when they're 30 years old. If you do the system right, if you don't scout, if you don't prospect, and in my case, if I don't tweet or generate podcasts, then I don't have anything coming into the system that's going to continue to build the business and to build the future or to build the World Series team that you want. And so it's about this system and focusing on the key parts of the system. Now I've built the system so that like once people come to Twitter or they come to the podcast and they can get onto the email list and they get all the information and they can get signed up and whatever. So the infrastructure is there, but I have to continually do the things which feed into the system, which feed into the network, just like a baseball team, just like a salesman in any product, you have to have new prospects and you just have to continuously be focused on the system and the elements of the system that you can control. And, you know, for being fat, that's putting things into your face, right? So you have to be focused on your diet all the time. If you don't want to go through these ups and downs of hibernation, fatness, and summer leanness, um, which I'm still working on myself, but uh, on the other elements, at least, you know, uh, I've been able to identify the fact that the system is important. The inputs are, are what matters. And you have to focus on that no matter what. And there cannot be any complacency whatsoever. You can never rest because inertia and momentum, you just cannot escape either one of those two forces. And if you're not putting your foot on the accelerator, and if you are not just going as fast as you can in the direction that you want to go, feeding the system that you've built for yourself, it's already going into a state of decay. The minute you stop moving forward, you're already decaying. It just isn't obvious to you yet. It may take time for the system to, to start sucking on an emptiness <laughs> that's going to end up seizing the whole machine and leaving you with nothing. Uh, but it will happen at some point if you don't uh, continuously focus on feeding the system that you've built. There's a lot of things that... Uh that makes me think of that, that particular section. And one of the things is that uh, you, we all tend to go through these cycles where uh, we, we do get some momentum going and whether it's financially and it's like, man, I can afford all these things that I couldn't afford before. And you start bringing things on and, and some of the stuff adds genuine value to your life. And some of it is dead weight. Some of it's getting fat in winter. Um, and then inevitably that slows you down. Uh, and, and then you run into this resistance where there's a challenge or there's an obstacle that you're too fat to climb over and you sort of have to cut away that weight. And um, sometimes if you've taken on too much dead weight, then you totally, that's, that's it. And that's, that's sort of where you are forced to be reborn. And that's, the, that's, the full, that's sort of like the full package Phoenix. But uh, if, if like you were saying, you are conscientious and you are um, alert and you are not getting complacent, then you only pack on a little bit of excess baggage before you burn that away because you realize, man, this is really hindering what I'm trying to do here. Um, and so you continually are trying to burn down to what is important, what is necessary, what do I need to continue moving towards this thing that's important to me? And, and, and right there is a 
critical component. And we, we sort of circled around this before, but I want to get more into it, which is that it's, it's very difficult to rise from the ashes if you don't have a reason to get back up. Uh, mm. and, and the more clear that you are on where you want to go, the easier it is to understand how to head in that direction. Because if you look around you and you don't have any goal in mind, you could just spin around forever and never move anywhere besides right where you're at. But if you have a clear purpose and you align yourself and your actions and the things that you accept into your life to move you closer to that specific thing, then you have a direction that you're heading in. And obviously that's going to change throughout your life as maybe you attain certain goals or your priorities change with family or career or whatever. But um, I guess I wonder how you sort of, because like you said, you have that voice in your head. You have a lot of voices coming in from the world at large that are trying to pull you in different directions. And I wonder how you get clear for yourself about who do I, Jack Murphy, want to be and where do I want to go and what are the things that I want to do in my life to make sure that I am living the kind of life I want to live? Yeah. Well, society society and nature have figured this out for us. Um, there is no greater motivating force than having a family, okay? So when you have a family and you look at these poor little kids, well, you know, these innocent, you know, vulnerable children, uh, and your partner, if you're a man, you know, your, your woman who has, has hitched herself to you and has, you know, committed to believing in your mission and believing in you and trusting you for safety and protection, for resources, you know, that is a way to motivate people to do stuff. <laughs> and there's a reason why, uh, at least, you know, for most of our time here in the United States, you know, uh, socially enforced monogamy is a very important driver for economics and for safety and national security and all kinds of things. And it is a it is a very clear motivating force uh, as an individual man as well when you know that there's people relying on you. And that's another reason why being isolated is probably one of the more dangerous things that you can you can do to yourself if you're if you don't have anyone relying on you. If you don't have anyone to share with, if you don't have anyone to help yourself, if you don't have anyone looking at you for guidance or support or love or protection, um, it's easy to lose focus. It's easy, I imagine, to, to think that there's no point. And so I'm not saying everybody should run out and get married so that you have a reason to live, right? But I, I am saying that it, that having people who care about you is a really strong motivating factor. I can remember, I can remember uh, every morning I used to sit down at like four o'clock in the morning and write. And uh, that was, you know, especially when I was writing a book and I, in order to get warmed up, I would, I would just journal to myself and I would just write free flow conversation with myself, get my fingers warmed up, get my brain warmed up. And uh, most of the time they turn into like little pep talks for myself, you know, at least back then. And uh, one of the themes that kept coming back in my early morning writing to myself was um, I have to honor their commitment, honor their commitment, honor their faith. And by that I meant my girlfriend, my partner, we've been together six years, feels diminutive to call her my girlfriend, um, my, my partner, She's totally committed to me 100%, went far above and beyond any normal expectations for support and love and kindness and affection. My kids look at me for guidance and leadership and protection. 
And uh, in those moments of darkness where you don't know where you want to go or who you want to be or what you need to do or where to put your next foot, um, the motivating factor for me was honor, honor their commitment, honor their trust, honor their love, honor their effort, honor their faith. Uh, honoring the people around me was one of the biggest, most uh, strongest forces that you know pushed me forward when I was at the darkest moments of my life, uh, especially these last couple of years. Um, it was a little different during my divorce. You know, I was a little bit more motivated by like not being alone. Right? <laughs> uh, I didn't want to be alone. I wanted a re- I wanted a relationship. I wanted a, f- a family unit. And so there's a number of things you have to do in order to make that happen, right? Uh, but uh, thinking back on it now and thinking back on those journal entries, the, the thing that just keeps coming back to my mind is like, I have to honor the energy that these people are blessing me with, that they're gracing me with and their faith and their confidence in me. I can't let them down. Not w- Wanting to not let people down is a really, <laughs> it's a really strong motivating factor. And that's okay. It's okay that we're not just sitting here just like, oh yeah, I'm super fucking motivated. I'm going to go kill the world every day. And the only reason I'm going to do it is just because I'm intrinsically motivated because I'm just that guy. No, it's okay. It's okay to, to be motivated by, by, fear of letting people down or, or, or respecting the love that they have offered you or just looking at them and thinking, well, shit, I, I got to put food in these kids, belly, bellies. Um, so, you know, how do I figure out who I want to be or where I want to go? You know, the details are, you know, personal, you know, you come up with your own interests and wants and desires and whatever, but at the end of the day, honoring your relationships, honoring your commitments, honoring the love that people offer you, honoring, the vulnerability of those around you um, and uh, you know, just putting yourself in a position in which you're a provider. You know, this is, this is why men have to provide man <laughs> so that we're motivated to do stuff so that we have obligations so that we can be constructive. Um, you know, there's a reason why the single single bachelor uh, is a negative stereotype, right? And it's because you can't count on the single bachelor to be motivated by the same things as the rest of us are, as the rest of society is, because they don't have the same obligations. They don't have the same perspective on the world. They don't have the same intergenerational perspective, right? And so there's a reason why there's the, the single bachelor, the guy in his 40s who never got married or never had any kids, there's a reason why there's a negative feeling associated with that. It's because they're unpredictable to society. And it's possible that they're also not contributing members of I'm not saying this is universally true, but this is the instinct that people have because we all know the converse, which is if you have family and kids and commitment and neighbors and church and community and whatever, you can predict the way someone's going to behave because you, we're all working together to build something constructive and beautiful that we can all live in and our kids can live in and our grandkids can live in. And so those are some seriously motivating, <laughs> motivating factors. Uh, and though, in the way that I came to understand that, and this is, you know, uh, something concrete people can take away from this conversation. And the way I came to understand that is by setting time aside to talk to myself and to listen to my own thoughts and to uncover my inner motivations that I didn't even know were there so that I can take them from being hidden and obscured and put them on a post-it note right in front of my face that says, honor their love. And then that moves you forward and drives you forward every day, man. 
You're, you're speaking my language here. One of the things I constantly, constantly push is the idea that you, you need to know your principles. You need to have your code and you need to actually write your code out. You need to be able to look at it and say, these are my rules that I live by. And uh, one of the things I'm big on is like, look, man, I don't know what your rules are. I don't care what they are, to be frank. As long as you're not fucking with me, I don't, that's fine. But you need to know what they are. And because you might have anger, you might have sadness, you might have pride, you might have all these different influences, society, your family, that inner voice that maybe sometimes sabotages you. And how are you supposed to sort through that confusion if you're not clear on, on who you are? And you go back to that code and you go, oh, this says here that I am not a liar. This says here that I tell the truth. This says here that I am a defender of my family. This says here, whatever it is that your things are, you know, you have that and it go, you go, Oh, okay. That's what I'm supposed to do. That clears things up for me. Never mind the confusion. I know what I'm supposed to do. And those things can change over time and everything. But, uh, and another thing that I think is important too, just to tag on to what you're saying there is writing about who you want to be or what you want to do or what's important to you is important, but so is the opposite. What disgusts you? What mm. bothers you? What, causes anger within you and explore a little bit about why, because that's going to cue you into the things that are in opposition to the things that are important to you. It might even help you develop those list of principles by understanding what are the things that you hate, because hate is a much easier response to recognize than respect. For example, it's like, I don't like that. Oh, okay. Why not? Let's write about that for a minute. And um, so I just, uh, like you said, concretely, you should be writing about the things that that cause a, a strong reaction in you of dislike or hate or whatever, and also be pondering, take some time, literally take some time daily or a couple of times a week, whatever you figure you can put into your life to, to figure out what are the things that are important to you. And I'll tell you what, man, as far as family goes, when I look at my kids or I look at my wife, and they look at me and I just look in their eyes and I can see the adoration, especially with my wife, because she, my kids adore me because I'm dad. And, and it's, and that's all it took. It's like, it's sort of like a dog. You, you feed them and water them and then they love you. And it's the same with kids until they get a certain age. They just, it's like, I'm dad. They love me. Basically every time I look at them, unless I've told them to clean their room or something, it's, it's, they adore dad. But I look at my wife and in those moments when I catch her and she's looking at me and she's, She's got that look in her eyes that says, you know, I love you and I, uh, I'm attracted to you and I respect you and you're, you're the person that I want to spend my whole life with. And it's all right there in the eyes looking at me. It reminds me, even on the times when I'm struggling to, to find the reason to, to be who I want to be that day, it's, it's just like that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's well, the as, reason. As my kids like to point out to my girlfriend all the time, they say, well, you're the only one that chose to be here, you know, <laughs> and right. And so, and so you, you know, you, when, when you get that, that look and that sense of that confirmation, but it, it's not even, it's not even a confirmation. It's like when you see the duty that you have, right. Because of the faith and the trust that she's put in you, uh, that's a really seriously motivating factor. Uh, but, but to dovetail with what you just said about writing about the th not only the things that you want to be, but the things you don't want to be, that's very important. Um, say what you want about Jordan Peterson. Uh, I did do his, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember the name of it now. But he created this online writing program where you're supposed to, where it leads you through these series of exercises where you, you know, helps you figure out who you want to be and where you want to go and whatever. 
And one of the exercises is, is uh, writing out sort of like worst case scenario, <laughs> like what's going to happen if you don't change what you're doing and what's going to happen if like all of your negative traits are emphasized and what does that lead you down to? Where does, where does that road take you? Uh, and it's very useful because uh, it, it gives you a chance to examine, you know, the pros and the cons of who you are and what would happen if you just gave in and where would you go and how would you feel about that? And how would, how would the people around you feel about that? Um, and it does, it does, you know, negative motivations work for some people work for other people. Um, that is a serious negative motivation in the sense, like if you, if you take your worst traits and your worst trends and you just extrapolate them, you know, you, that's not where I want to (laughs) go. Like, I don't, I don't want to be the guy that's angry all the time. That's depressed. That's fat. That has no friends and no money and no respect, (laughs) no community. I don't want to be that guy and nothing in this life is given to anybody. So you have to work for it. And that's one thing people just need to understand is like, shit, dude, the work never ends. The work never ends. By the way, the work never ends. The work never ends. Just a reminder, the work never ends. If you think that there's a moment at which in this life, you're going to be able to coast, you are foolishly mistaken. Believe me, I know I've tried it. (laughs) It definitely does not work. And so one of the ways that you keep yourself from coasting and this, this ties in with the writing um, is the story, right? So setting your own personal narrative is a skill that should be taught to every kid in school, but it's taught to none of them. It should be a skill that we all know how to master, but very few people know how to do it. And in fact, very few people even know what narrative means or even understand the power of story in, in our lives, in media in communication and politics and anything. So what I have discovered for myself is that, and I think this applies to a lot of people, is that you have to master your own story and you have to write out the story that you want for yourself. And then you have to say it to yourself over and over and over again. You have to say it to everyone around you over and over and over again. And you have to tell the world over and over and over and over again. And in the process of telling the story of who you want to be and where you are going and what you want to accomplish, you will actually manifest it into reality by just saying it over and 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 over again. You have to have a narrative. You have to have a story. You have to have a goal. You have to have a vision. You have to have a dream. You have to have a story that you can tell yourself so you can brainwash yourself into doing it <laughs> and so that you can you can can you know in a positive way control the people around you so that they begin to expect it of you and then they see things that can help you and they bring that to you and the people who are around you who know now that you're looking for this opportunity will help manifest it itself in your life uh i think it's napoleon napoleon hill is that it the think and grow rich guy I remember reading that book thinking it was a bunch of horse shit that if you just sat around and promised yourself or thought and dreamed about being rich, that you would end up being rich. I thought that was such a crock, but it's absolutely true because you have to have a story. The stories that we tell ourselves, the stories that are told to us, the stories that are enforced upon us, these things control the universe and they control reality and they control our lives. He who controls the narrative rules the world. There's no question about that. And that starts on a personal level. It works for your community. It works for your nation. It works for your corporation. It works for your product. It works for anything. 
You have to tell a compelling story to yourself. And in doing that, you motivate yourself and then you manifest it into reality. It is alchemy. It is magic. It is something that is impossible to describe the full weight and force of the power of narrative until you have experienced it yourself because it is mind-blowing. It is life-transforming. It, it seems otherworldly. It seems like sorcery. It really does. I have mastered in my mind, and I get this from other people, so I'm not just making this up. I've mastered the art of telling my story. Um, I believe I'm one of the better people at doing it in our whole sphere or even online at all, and I'm constantly doing it. I'm constantly telling the story, and the story is what propels me forward. It creates a a lubrication for it to happen. It attracts people that want to help you do it. It repels people that are going to be in your way of accomplishing your story. And it, it, it brings a tribe together and, and it truly creates the world that you want to live in. If you can tell the story that you want to yourself and to the people around you, it truly manifests into reality. And uh, that is the most powerful thing that has ever happened to me is discovering and being taught and learning the power of narrative and story, not just for marketing, not just for products, not just for media, not just for Twitter, but for myself to talk to that thing that's in my head and to replace that nonsense with the actual story that I want to have, the one that is real and the one that will be real is the most powerful force in my life today, narrative and storytelling. And it's a skill that everybody should have. It's something at the very least everyone should be aware of so that you can ward off the negative stories and bring in the positive stories. If you really want to harness the power, you have to learn how to tell yourself the story first. And you start that by writing to yourself and talking to yourself and meditating and clearing space for you to be able to insert that story and then you follow that script and it just becomes real. It's magic, man. It is magic. You know, I'm glad that this conversation is sort of culminating at this point because uh, this, I think, is one of the, like you said, this is probably the most important life skill that there is, is, is yeah. developing an understanding and ability to do this. And, you know, we talked about understanding it's, it's very helpful to have a hell to run from because you turn around and then you're facing the other direction. You, you can see a little clearly, more clearly what you're running towards. And then yeah. you get clear on those things. But, you know, I've been on a number of other people's podcasts. And every time I go on somebody's podcast, I say the same story <laughs> basically every time. It's just like, look, man, I was in this dark place and I was doing all this shitty stuff. And then I had this... Um, moment where I realized I didn't want to live that way. And then I've been doing all these things and then, and I created my book and I created my podcast and I have my family and I'm moving in this other direction now. And it's always the same story. And it's always, look, I have these things that are sacred to me. And I try to make every moment in my life about making those things ubiquitous. And the power of being able to understand who you are then allows you to be able to tell your story and the writing is important and telling other people about it. Like you said, you stand in front of the mirror and you're going to feel so goofy just standing in front of the mirror and saying, these are, these are my principles and I'm declaring to the world that this is who I am and this is what I want to do. And you, you know, it, you get into it and you, and you look at yourself, you're like, this dude's such a dork right here, but you can't help but smile and you can't help but feel that infectious energy that you're reflecting literally right back to yourself and you laugh. And, and then when you, when you understand, I, I can do that to myself and I'm my biggest critic by far. There's nobody that doubts me and knows my darkness 
better than me. But if I can do that to myself, imagine, imagine if I took that to the people out there and I was like, Hey, this is my thing, man. And there's obviously a time and a place for that kind of enthusiasm. But, but once you get clear on that and you're able to understand your story, uh, you're absolutely right. The, the world just sort of lines up for you to be able to build that story. And as long as you're committed to it, because it's, it's not without challenge. Like you said, the work never ends, the work never ends. And if, you, and if you're continuing to travel down that line, it continues to reveal itself to you. Your story gets deeper. And maybe one more thing I'll add on to that, and people can think about it for themselves and kind of develop an understanding. But when you become good at telling your story, you can look back at your past and turn those things in your past that were once a chain or once a burden into a gift. They're what led up to you now. And now you're doing these things and that's part of your story now too. And it doesn't, it's not traumatic anymore. It doesn't hurt anymore. It's a gift. All your history was a gift because here you are and you're being the person that you want to be and you have the relationships that you want to have and you're in the career or you're, you know, you're manifesting the world you want to live in. And I guess that's sort of my, my, uh, kind of final message to people is the same as yours is kind of take everything that you are and turn it into a story because we're story driven creatures. And when you can do that, lo and behold, the story that you're writing becomes reality. And then you're living the life that you had always dreamed of because you manifested that dream into reality as long as you're willing to work for it. Yeah, Um, dude, there's no such thing as reality. And I don't mean this in like a super technical kind of sense, but there's no, the past doesn't exist, but in your brain. So you can interpret it how you want to interpret it. So why not interpret it in a way that's going to help you move forward in a positive direction? The future doesn't exist. So why not lay the groundwork and the, and the path in front of you of where you want to go? And if we live in a world of infinity, right, let's just assume for a second that time and space are infinite and the Big Bang has happened infinite amount of times and all possible realities are, have occurred or will occur or even occurring all at the same, same time. There's absolutely no reason in the world why you're not living in the reality that you're thinking of and the dream that you have right now. There's no reason why that isn't the case. And, and much like uh, you know when you're playing Fortnite and you look over it, and over here, the, they're not rendering the universe until you look over at it because it's just too big and too powerful. So only when you put your focus and your attention there do they render the reality it's the same way with your reality in your own life when you put your attention and your focus in the direction that you want to go the universe just renders on that path and you can focus yourself and you can put yourself exactly where you want to be and i'm not saying you can become superman and fly and jump over buildings and whatever but within the reasonable realms of physics and whatever else if you can dream it it can be so and it sounds so cliche and it sounds so trite and i wouldn't you know Five years ago, 10 years ago, if I would have listened to this conversation, I would have snickered and laughed and been all cynical and stupid about it. But I have experienced firsthand the power of changing reality through the power of storytelling. And the most important audience that you have for storytelling is yourself. And we are all looking for leadership, including ourselves. Even leaders are looking for leadership. Everyone around you is looking for leadership. The universe is looking for leadership. So if you exhibit leadership in a certain direction, everything around you will coalesce and help you move in that direction. As long as you stay true to yourself, you act with integrity and honesty, and you're not fucking people over around the clock, you can even make mistakes along the way. But if you just stay focused, you create that path for yourself, you continue to walk down it, 
truly anything, anything is possible. If you would have, <laughs> you would ask me six, seven years ago, uh, if all of a sudden, if, if in 2020, Jack Murphy's full-time job would be a content creator, basically professional Twitterer, uh, and an online community leader and an author and a podcaster or whatever, I would have completely, totally laughed in your face. I wouldn't even have known that was possible or of a real thing that you can do. But once it was what I wanted and where I wanted to go, and you tell the story over and over again, you begin to observe and see key uh, hints and milestones and mile markers, and the path just becomes clearer. And then it just happens, man. It just happens. But you have to, as we said, you have to start with yourself. You have to start with your inner strength, your integrity. You have to build up your, your ability to perceive the world. And you do that by clearing out the cobwebs and by getting focused physically. You build your community of people around you, whether it's just your family or it's your friends or extended family or associates. You create a plan. You take incremental progress. You write. You focus. You have conversations with yourself. And you set a story. You set a path. You set a goal. And then you just tell yourself that same freaking story over and over and over and over again until it becomes reality, until, until, until you have to adjust the story upwards so that you continue to have somewhere to go and you continue to refine it and you never let yourself get complacent and you never let yourself bask in the past achievements because as soon as you start doing that, man, the system is going to run dry. The whole machine is going to clog up and seize before you know it, you're going to be starting over from scratch all over again. So, you know, if you do find yourself in that situation, don't beat yourself up. Just go back, start over at the beginning and grind it out and don't feel guilty about it because I'm telling you, everybody, you're going to have to do it at least once, twice, thrice, who knows. Master the art of comeback and you master the art of living. That is for sure. So look, man, um, you know, you kind of hinted at paradigms there, but, and this is, this, this is a potent conversation we've had. And, and there's a lot of things in here that for the right person are, are going to mean a lot. And some of this is just going to be pearls before swine because sometimes people just aren't on a level to be ready to hear certain things like you just mentioned. But, for those who have listened to this conversation um, and, and have resonated with it and want to maybe connect with you or learn a little bit more about your story or, or have seen the leadership potential in you and want to maybe get more involved with what you're doing, um, where can they find you? Where can they find your book? Uh, you know, let them know about uh, the liminal order and these kinds of things. Why don't you just let the sure. audience know a little bit about that? Sure. So uh, jackmurphylive.com is the main website and uh, I spend most of my online time at Jack Murphy Live on Twitter. Uh, the book is Democrat to Deplorable and that's a story about transformation as well, right? So that's a story about being in one place, realizing it's not the right place for you, entering into the wilderness, figuring out where you want to go and then finding your, your, your path. Uh, and, and, and that book actually details not only the structural society and cultural elements that led to people ditching the Democrats, but it, it does chronicle a number of personal stories of folks. And so you can find ways to relate into their transformation experiences there as well. And then there's the liminal order, which is my full-time passion. Uh, it is an online, but also in real world uh, community of men. We have 200 active members across the country and the world. Actually, we have seven, seven different countries, three different continents for members. 
and um, it is a community of, of like-minded men who understand everything that we've been talking about in this, in this podcast, who understand the power of, of, of uh, community, who understand the power of transformation and narrative and story. And it's a whole lot more than that, too. Um, it's a sense-making apparatus, an intelligence network. It's an info militia. Uh, it's a number of things. And uh, you can find that at liminal-order.com. And, you know, if you, the, the word liminal is, is, a, is a, liminality is a state of chaos between two fixed points. Uh, and that is where we find ourselves today. Uh, and that is what transition is all about. And so order is order as in the opposite of chaos, but it's also order as in fraternity. So the liminal order is about finding yourself in a position of chaos between two fixed points and then seeking to create order from chaos, but doing it with a, a group of men that see this, the world the same way as you do. So come on down to the liminal order. It's liminal-order.com. Sign up for the mailing list, get all the information. Membership's currently closed, but we probably are opening it back up again in the beginning of May. Uh, so come down, check it out. 200 guys, thousands and thousands of messages every day. We've had meetings in 10 different cities across the country. Uh, continues to blow up. There's a huge waiting list, in huge demand because in our time today, uh, we feel the chaos around us and we know that we need to, to put order to the chaos, some sort of structure into the wilderness. And you need a band of brothers to get you there. So come on, come and check it out with us. Uh, we'd be happy to talk to you. And, and, and Chance, you know, um, it'd be good to see your face around there a little bit too, uh, a little bit more yourself, my friend. Yeah. I, hey, man. Uh, like I told you, I, my plan was never to stay away. I just, uh, just needed a hiatus. But, but look, look. Um, I, I'm just really grateful that you took the time to do this, man. You're my pal, um, but you're a busy man and you got a lot of constraints on your time. And I appreciate you taking the time to come here and talk to me and talk to the audience. And, and for, from my angle, this was a great, powerful conversation with a lot to offer. And I, I just want to thank you for sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Hey man, it's my absolute pleasure. I will come down here and talk to you anytime that you want chance. I really appreciate it. Uh, everybody that's listening, come down, uh, say hi and, uh, you know, let's see what we can do. And, uh, thanks very much for having me. I'll be back here anytime you like my friend. Okay, man. Well, for now, if you're good, I'm good. I'm good. Thanks a lot, chance. Yes, sir. In that case, this has been the Logocentrifugal Podcast. I've been Chance Lunsford. He's been Jack Murphy. This has all been allegedly, and we're out. <laughs>